0: This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which is focused on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Andy Maycock. He recently filmed a trailer at Altamont Manor to promote the romantic comedy he wrote, The Best Man's Privilege. An English teacher at Gilderland High School who produces the school plays and musicals, Maycock is using some of his former students in the cast. As students head back to school this month, he has figured a way to have a school play. Maycock became emotional as he described the way theater friends and former students came together to help him with the best man's privilege, which solidified his faith in people. What got me interested in talking to Andy now is that he was in Altamont last week filming at the Altamont Manor, which is Harvey Vlahos' wedding venue, and it just intrigued me to find out you're on the cusp of making a film. Can you tell us a little about that?
1: Well, I wish wish it really were the cusp, but um, we are... So let me back up a little bit. Uh, years ago, I wrote um, a romantic comedy called The Best Man's Privilege as a, a feature-length screenplay. And it did well in contests, but um, you know, I got a few pats on the back, but nobody uh, in the industry jumped to buy it or to make it. So after many years of being a frustrated writer on other things, I decided, well, maybe I should just make it myself. But I, I certainly don't have the resources or the, the knowledge to make the whole thing myself. So I decided if I could get a good team of people together, I could shoot just the trailer, just the coming attractions version of it. And that's what we were up to this week. Um, it's been a a long process that we can certainly talk about, but uh, we were at the Altamont Manor shooting um, a couple of scenes. There was a, a big outdoor wedding uh, uh, spectacle that we needed to to shoot. So we did that in the daytime, and then we shot... Inside, we actually shot it for three separate uh, spots in the script. We used the bar area. We used the, a little, he, Harvey calls it the round room. We used that as a restaurant. And then we used the dining room as uh, the ballroom of the, the main wedding that would have been in the movie. So we actually maximized Harvey's space uh, to the best we, we could.
0: Well, can you reveal what The Best Man's Privilege is about? Is that something? Sure. Yeah, okay.
1: Sure. Oh, this isn't top secret at all. Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so the script is about uh, a, a man who's getting married, and he's he's a very charming guy, probably late 20s, um, marrying the woman of his dreams. Um, and his one insecurity, well, he has two little... Inse- the big insecurity is that he feels like she's too good for him. He can't imagine why this perfect woman would want to spend the rest of her life with him. So he has this kind of doubt that I think everybody has when they're in a relationship that, uh, you know, this, the other person doesn't, doesn't he or she see all my flaws and, you know, all these horrible things about me that I've lived with my whole life and they've only known me for a few years. And so there's that kind of nagging insecurity at him, which, which people get over and, and he does, but he doesn't know that because he's young and he's getting married for the first time. Uh, The other insecurity is that he sort of feels like the wedding that they're planning is very impersonal it's just sort of a, a cookie cutter wedding the same kind of wedding everybody has um and he, he's trying to get candy to agree to kind of put some personal stamp on it and not make it quite so uh routine i guess he wants a little room for um spontaneity um and you know she she's interested in having kind of the traditional wedding so um she says, you know, well we can we can be spontaneous. You, you pick the honeymoon place and and that can be kind of your your contribution to this idea. I'm making her sound like a villain and I don't mean to do that. She's <laughs> she's a, she's a very great person. In fact, one person who came to the staged reading rehearsal said that um she would refuse to bring her boyfriend to the performance because he would think that Candy was such a good uh catch that he would uh, not be happy anymore with, with her, with the, the woman who was here at the reading. So, oh, isn't that um, Katie's funny? Katie's kind yeah. of a, the, the ideal uh, woman, at least for, for our hero, Jake. Um, and Jake's best man is his brother, who uh, is unhappily married and regrets, you know, making the leap. And the two of them hear about an operation called the best man's privilege, where um, a, a team of operatives will help the groom escape from the wedding if he gives the signal. And the the man who's in charge of this operation, his name is Garrison, um, he believes very sincerely that if the man has the opportunity to choose at that moment of I do, instead of just quoting a line from a script, just saying I do because he's supposed to, if he actually has a moment of clarity where he realizes all I have to do is you know, shrug my shoulders or, or tap my foot or Tap my nose or, or brush my hand through my hair, whatever the signal is. Um, all I have to do is that, and this is over. I'm out of here. I can start all over again. Um, he says that's the moment where the groom realizes that she's the right one, that she's the, the one for him, and he, he makes that conscious choice, and sometimes guys aren't you know, ready to do that. So he, he's very sincere about that. But these, these escapes have become more and more spectacular, and Jake, our hero, accidentally gets himself roped into helping with them, and he goes to these rehearsals for this escape plan, which is always different, um, and he's kind of sickened by what he sees, but then he goes the next day to the real wedding, and these grooms all go through with it. They, none of them trip this escape, so it's, it seems like it's working. And there are a couple of times that the escape happens, and he has to participate, and he doesn't feel good about that. Um, and then his own wedding comes up, and things go wrong, and he gives the signal quite by accident. And so his best man goes into action, and Jake is sprung from the wedding, much to his own surprise. Uh, he's knocked out. And when he comes to, he realizes that he's going to have to get his bride back. He's going to have to win Candy back. And the only way to do that is to break through those levels of uh, sort of operatives who are in the way. Um, so he, he spends the, the last you know, half hour of the movie trying to outsmart them and break into his own wedding reception and win her back. But it's not going to be that easy because she's, she's hurt. She's angry. She can't believe that he would do that. Um, and so that's our, kind of our big finish moment big romantic comedy moment is how does he win her back so I hope I didn't just take up your entire podcast no that's an
0: absolutely fascinating plot so how long ago did you write
1: this well it's been brewing for a while my my younger brother got married in I want to say 2003 and um my best man at my wedding um, had offered me an escape. He said, You know, my brother was my best man, and he offered me an escape. So I feel like every best man should sort of offer the groom this thing. And of course, I said, No, 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 don't waste your time. I'm fine. I'll be fine. And I offered the same thing to my brother. And he said, No, 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 don't worry. I'll be fine. But I wasn't the best man. And his best man was uh, a high school friend of his, a great kid, great guy. I can't say kid anymore. And I said, You know, your best man is probably. A, a little too optimistic to offer this for you. I, at this point, I was divorced, so I, I could um. say they're happily married and everything is fine. I don't mean to badmouth marriage at all. Um, my ex-wife and I actually are very good friends. Um, and I said, so if you need it, you make give the signal and your other two brothers and I, there were three of us in the wedding party, we'll see to getting you out. And on my way home from that wedding, I thought about, well, wouldn't that be funny if there was a team, you know, a whole team? And that's kind of what the... The genesis of the thing was, and so I wrote a draft of it in '03. Um, by 2004, um, Upstate Independence had a a program called Movies Without Pictures in Saratoga, where they would do um, live readings of of scripts, and and the Best Man's Privilege was chosen. So it was performed, um, you know, kind of at a table a table read, which was great in 2004, and then it kind of just didn't go anywhere from there. Um, and through a Funny chain of events, I met a a writer and producer in Los Angeles named Josh Stolberg, who had written a romantic comedy and is is still writing big ticket Hollywood stuff right now. And he and I worked for a summer on kind of revving up those action moments um, and making it more exciting. And then by 2009, 2010, it was again in, in pretty good shape and doing well in contests, but nobody was really nibbling at it. So of all the things I've written, this was the one that seemed manageable for me. I, had, I have one like car chase movie that wasn't going to work. I have one film noir that takes place in the 50s that I certainly couldn't shoot, um, you know, on a, on a low budget. But this was the one that seemed the most accessible. And um, as a high school teacher, I have, you know, dozens and dozens of former students who were the right age to get married now. And so I reached out to some of them and lo and behold, I had a cast and we were off and running.
0: Oh, I was going to ask about the cast, because if you're doing the trailer, you must have them all in place, and a lot of them are former Gilderland players? Isn't that interesting?
1: Yeah, yeah. they? former names, acting students of mine? Are there Sorry?
0: names that our listeners would recognize, people that had starred in some of your productions at the high school? or
1: Actually, it's funny. Um, Jake, the, the hero Jake, is played by Dave Cerruti, who was in my acting class and in my screenwriting class, but he wasn't in any of the productions at school. Um, and his, uh, counterpart, his bride is played by, her, her name is Candace or Candy in the, in the script, uh, is played by Dana Goodnight, who was in, uh, my, uh, writing class I took. We, we disagree. She thinks it was creative writing and I think it was cinema, but we're not really sure. Uh, it was a <laughs> long time ago. Um, and Dana is an actor, uh, well, is she David a gymnast? is an actor in, in, Is Dana a
0: gymnast
1: also? Yeah, that's the one, I think, that's the yeah. family. Okay. Yeah. So David and Dana, both, uh, they're friends. They know each other. They both live in New York. Um, their families are still here. So they came up for the week and, uh, and and you know, worked. It was great.
0: Oh, that does sound great. It really does, to be working with your former students. And she is now an actor in New York City? Is that what you said? Yep.
1: They're, they're both, yes, they're both... Um, Up and coming actors, I should say. They're both um, what we call SAG eligible, which means they're eligible to join the Screen Actors Guild. They have enough. I don't even know how it works. They have enough points or enough experience or whatever, but they haven't yet flipped the switch to be Screen Actors Guild actors. But they are getting work done in in the city. Um, And uh, they were they were super easy to work with, you know, nice people that I had a history with because they'd been students of mine. Um, really sweet people. They get along, which was really, you could see that chemistry on the screen, and, um, you know, bright, and you could give them a a word of direction, and they would would make something new and exciting out of it.
0: Oh, that's great. So the idea is, once this trailer is ready, you can then use it to market the film and hope to find someone that can bankroll it? Is that how it works?
1: (laughs) Yes, there are a couple of possibilities, and I don't, (laughs) honestly... I don't really know how to accomplish either of these possibilities. But one, one possibility is that somebody sees the trailer and thinks, that looks like that might be a fun script. Could I n- take that script off of your hands and direct it myself or produce it myself? So that's one possibility, that, that this is the, the commercial for the script, which would be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. The other possibility is that it's the commercial for uh, the production, and somebody sees it and says, wow, you and this team did a really good job. Why don't we give you a little bit of money to make this as a, you know, a low budget feature? Um, I certainly wouldn't expect it it, with me as a first time director to be a a big Hollywood, big scale Hollywood thing. Um, but you know, those are both long shots. I think the important thing was that I I got a chance to get out and see if I could do it and see if I could get a team together that could help me do it. And, um, and we did it.
0: Well, let's, Congratulations! I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to back way up now and just hear about how you got into theater to begin with. What is it that attracted you? And all these years of teaching students the various aspects of it, go back way far back, maybe childhood. Way
1: far back. Well, yeah. I can remember I can remember doing plays in my basement. Uh, you know, roping my siblings into helping me. I remember doing plays in kindergarten. Um, the one thing that, th- the the one thing I liked about theater was that you didn't have to be an athlete to do it. And I was not an athlete. Um, but I was, I could read, I was a good reader. I could read quickly. I could, you know, somebody could hand me a text and I could m- make it sort of sound spontaneous, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quick enough with that. And I was loud. Um, and that sort of, That's a weird way to break into an interest, but that's kind of where it began. And, uh, in high school, I did a couple of things. Um, there was a local chamber group that did a, um, a production about Johann Sebastian Bach's life called Kapellmeister in like 1986. And I auditioned for that. And that was my first professional role, my first of two professional roles. Um, but that was a, a neat process to work with, uh, other professional actors, and, and see the process, you know, as, as instead of just being a high school kid, working with other high school kids, I was kind of taken seriously. It was a small part, but, um, and I was seeing other people taking the craft seriously. And then did some things in college, um, not with the theater department, but with a local community theater where I learned everything. I, they, they rehearsed in a church and they performed in a, a, an on-campus building but all of their uh, equipment, their lighting board and their lights and their cable was stored in the basement of the post office. So a week before um, the show opened, or maybe 10 days before, um, they packed their cars with lights and cable and drove it all to the theater. And we spent you know, a day and a half cabling and lighting. And that's where I learned all that stuff for, for theater. Um, I got to Gilderland uh, and... They, I, I don't, I, we never had an acting class when I was in high school. There was no such thing. I don't know if my school had it before and it was, it was cut or if Gilderland was just lucky to have, you know, Fred Heitkamp as a kind of the spearhead guy to get theater started. But, um, I was thrilled to come into Gilderland and after a couple of years I was teaching acting and it's just, it's a neat thing because you're, you're working with kids who are thoughtful, um, and they're interested, and they're generally they're also good writers, and they're good thinkers. Um, you know, sometimes you get kids who don't really know what they're up against, and they they try it, and they they learn that they love it, or they learn that they they're not really into it. But it's a it's definitely a, a, a course and um, an opportunity that kids who take uh, this is a terrible sentence. Let me start this over again. It's definitely theater is definitely something that kids take something from. Um, you know, nobody auditions for something hoping to do badly. They're they're all aiming, they all have good intentions. And I think that's a, a great thing to be working with young people when they have just kind of this positivity that, you know, we're going to work together and to make something great.
0: What I've always loved of years of going in and watching a rehearsal and just interviewing random cast members to write about it is how you create this kind of cohesive whole. Because so many high schools are like, striated into you know clicks and niches <laughs> and it just seems like they're all different kinds of people that come together every year for a particular production and seem to be genuinely part of something that they feel is bigger than themselves there's always one person i interview who wants to be on broadway but, but you know uh, right. there are all these other people that you know i how do you create that kind of community? Because it's just fluid, you know. There are people that have just come together for a few months, really, and they yeah. s- seem so tight and so uh, supportive of one another.
1: Wow, that's nice of you to say. Um, it's I don't I don't think I do it. I think it's it's the nature of the kids who are inviting other kids to join. Um, they're, you know, although we have auditions and we're selective about who is on stage the backstage group is is just an open door anybody can come and join us I mean it doesn't matter if you don't even know anything about theater craft you just have a couple hours after school one day and you want to check it out um and I and and so that's the one I guess the one thing that is great about the the philosophy of the organization but it's the kids who will you know, embrace that newcomer and say, hey, come on, let me show you how this works. And, and the kids like to know enough that they can share it with other people. Um, and that's that's really what the Guildland Players has always been about is, is holding that curtain closed and then revealing it to whoever is in the audience. You know, whether that's a new person coming in to work on stage or somebody uh, who's paid for a ticket um, and just giving them that that th- that sort of secret that we've been that we've been holding um, and, and that we're so proud of.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling on opening night, and you've had quite a few people that have gone on to careers, real careers oh, yeah. in acting, which is impressive yes. too. Do you stay in yeah. touch with some of those students, or
1: I do, I yeah. do, and and they're um, they're all over the place, and it's it's and, and some of them are doing community theater, and some of them are writing, and some of them are doing you know national television. I mean, so I think the theater work informs all kinds of things, and I'm sure that. You know, for every uh, student, you say, oh, that, that student made it. You know, they're on, in the movies. Um, there are 20 other kids who are doing something theater-related, even if it's not their, their primary job.
0: Yeah. Well, here we are coming up on what's going to be the most peculiar of all school years. And I just fished uh-huh. out before this interview our edition from Thursday, March We had half of the front page, you know, about Chicago, which was, you know, this wonderful jazz age musical that you had Mm -hmm. put together. And, of course, the first case of COVID in the county landed in Gilderland. And then all the school productions were shut down and... Here here you are now heading into a school year. If you could just tell us about what it was like for those kids who had just worked so oh hard. Gosh. And then also what's happening going forward as you're starting this new semester in such strange territory.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, that was, um, I was in my, on, on March 12th, I was in my acting class, which was Block 3, um, out of four blocks and Mike Piscatelli the principal came in and said I need to talk to you for a second. It didn't even dawn on me that it was about COVID that I thought maybe one of my students was out sick or you know a lead had hurt themselves in PE or whatever all all these things ran through my head and as we went outside the auditorium to talk it dawned on me that oh no we're going to have to postpone tonight. And of course what happened was we had to postpone the whole show for the weekend and so we brought all the kids in uh, fourth block and we broke the news to them that the show was not going to be that weekend. That's as far as we could see was that weekend. Um, and there were tears and hugs and panic and worry and frustration. Um, and everybody was just heartbroken because people had, you know, family coming from out of town and um a lot of kids that that musical week is the last week that they've taken off from work, so then they were planning to go back to you know their part-time jobs later, so it was really going to throw a wrench in everybody's schedule um, and I said, don't worry, I'll schedule two rehearsals for next week um, and we will we'll keep at it we'll keep sharp and as soon as we get the green light we'll we'll go on with it and of course, as we all know that didn't happen um, We were shut down for two weeks because as you said of the case in Gilderland um, and We just kind of we postponed it with the publisher and we just kept postponing it and postponing it hoping that things would clear up by june maybe we could do it in july um we didn't really want to wait till august because so many kids were going to leave for college we thought and eventually in late may we just realized there's there's no way this is going to work so by that point i think most of the kids had come to grips with it but um it was still very hard to break the news to them, you know, sitting in my basement on <laughs> on Google meet with as many kids as whose faces would fit on the screen to just tell them what had happened. And, uh, you know, uh, Claudia Golub had worked a long time with these kids and Christine Maglino and Aaron Hughes had gotten some great dance performances out of these kids. And uh, it was going to be a great show. And we just just to let it go, you know, with six hours to go before opening night was was oh. tragic. Um, the set is still up. <laughs> you oh know, it's my gosh. it just kind of frozen in time. It's like this museum piece when you walk in there. It's bizarre.
0: Ah, um, there was no way you could do forward, like a video. That was like a copyright problem or something. There was I, a
1: copy. Yeah, there was a yeah. copyright issue. I think a lot of schools tried to reach out to their publishers and say, "Can we do anything?" And um, you know, they're just restricted. There are so many restrictions legally that we we didn't make a video. We we couldn't. Uh, um, and even if we could have to get 50 kids together on the stage would have been, you know, a public health problem. So, yeah. um, we just, we just couldn't solve it. So going forward is a little bit of a, a tangle because we still can't have a big group of people together, um, on the stage or in a rehearsal room. So the, the high school schedule now you probably know is, uh, the, the hours are different. So our school day ends around four thirty. um, which means that that's difficult to have after school activities. So after school activities right now, uh, clubs and things, are sort of advisors have to advisors and students have to figure out. Well, do we want to have our meetings virtually? You know, in the evening. Um, do we want to have them in the morning? Virtu- how How we're going to do this? So everybody's kind of figuring it out. I haven't cleared my idea yet with anybody at school, but I would like to do a production for the fall that is a, a fall play that's student written. Um, of only monologues. And I have a certain theme I'm going to go after, but I don't want to talk about it because I don't know if it's going to work out. But um, So monologues and have some of the kids doing their monologues from home. um, But it's a live, my idea is it's a live stream broadcast. So it's a student performing a monologue at home uh, intercut with a student doing a monologue on the stage. So we'd have maybe five students in the building, um, each one doing a, a monologue individually and keeping distant from everybody else intercut with students who are at home and then maybe the next night when we do the next performance we alternate so that some of the kids who are at home are now on the stage because being on the stage in that light is is an experience you know you you don't want to miss out on that you don't want to do your your senior year play from home so that's my thinking um, to do something uh, thematic uh, with student writing that's performed by students The Uh, musical is a different matter altogether. But Um, wait, before you get to the
0: musical, I just think that's a wonderful idea. I mean, the idea of a monologue is in itself an experience for any actor to have, and it's so rare that you get to do one. And here you're going to have a a set number of students that automatically get that opportunity. And then to have it student-written, that, I mean that's just a wonderful idea because it's tapping into a whole different part of creativity and then you don't have to worry about copyright. <laughs> you
1: can exactly, video exactly. It so,
0: and have, yeah, uh, you know, people watch and I'm just wondering about this idea as you say being on the stage itself is so important but also and what can you do about this this the feedback that you get from the audience as you're performing yeah. there's no way to do that with video right there's no way No, to have,
1: I don't think so. Have I everybody watching
0: so. all at once in some kind of <laughs>
1: Yeah, a but, funnel but for I don't.
0: for noise or for.
1: Uh. <laughs> well, I'm, I've been frustrated with the with the baseball season. You know, and their the way they pipe in sound effects of the crowd. It's just not the same. Oh yeah. Um, Gosh. So I I think it might we might have to do it just like it's you know like it's TV where you yeah. don't have an audience. Um, you're you have to just trust that you're, you know, you're reaching people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So I cut you off. You were about to talk about the problems with the spring musical, which...
1: Well, I think uh, you didn't really cut me off. I, the problems with the spring musical are, are the same that they were this year. You know? um, how do you get kids into the room to sing together? And the music department's dealing with these, these things in, in curricular, uh, the curricular space. You know? How do you get a choir to meet? How do you get a band or an orchestra to meet um, with tr- keeping people distant and keeping people safe? So the musical, I think, is 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 not really on anybody's radar because school activities and clubs, like I said, are kind of figuring it out for themselves. And boy, a mu- a vir- virtual musical would be almost impossible to do because you have anytime you're on Zoom or Google Meet, there's that delay um, when you know you're talking and you finish, and it takes a second for that message to get through to the other person. And then it takes a second for their message to get back to you. I don't know how you could conduct anything. All the musical performances you see that are on Zoom are edited because of that thing. You can synchronize them, but you can't synchronize them live in, in real time. So you couldn't have a musical performance, at least to my knowledge, unless you had some magical technology, um, you'd have to do it pre-taped. And that really kind of isn't what Live theater's about, you know, you you, mm. you want to be live and doing it now uh, and living it. So, I don't know what's going to happen with the musical, Melissa. It's it's going to be different for sure, uh, if it happens at all.
0: Well, maybe there'll be a vaccination by then. <laughs> One can I hope hold. So. Because even just going to school is going to be so different. But I think having an outlet like theater at a time when people are feeling so isolated is really important because I agree. it brings a community together, even if they're just watching on separate screens. I'm, right. I'm dying to know what your theme is. I hope it's something. <laughs> I hope it's something that relates to our current experience with so much fear and isolation. It, it just mm. we need we need creative people to kind of bridge these things, and um, I can't wait to hear about it.
1: Oh, <laughs> and I'm well, not We certainly d- got. Go ahead. We certainly gotten a, a lot of creative people, so we, we have never been in uh, in need of that. So, so we'll see what those kids can come up with
0: when you're teaching like an acting class now how I, I know one of the big fears is people projecting you know singers yeah. and stuff spreading the little droplets so mm-hmm. it's just going to be spacing people out is that how you're going to manage in the classroom just counting out? I don't out?
1: know stay, stay tuned for that uh, yeah. certainly we will have to be spaced apart um, it's it's one of those things that I think I have to kind of live through before I know how it's going to work. Um, you know, if you, if you have to do a scene where your actors are six feet apart, there are certain things you can't do certain emotional moments you can't do. You could do an argument, you know, you could do an apology, but you, you couldn't do uh, a scene where two people are getting closer together, right? Because they can't physically approach each other. So I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be a challenge. And one of the things I love about acting in theater is is how the kids connect with each other. And this year is going to be the opposite of that. Um, you know, the connection is going to have to be uh, just different. You know, theater kids love to hug each other. And this is going to be <laughs> it's going to be a new world for sure.
0: Yeah, well, one of the things that's good about you personally is you're not just good with stage direction, but you're good with technology. You know, you've got that whole bag of tricks. Maybe you can pull something out of that bag. Um, I don't know what it would be exactly, <laughs> but um, you know, maybe people on the screen getting closer together, even though they're in separate parts of the room, if there's a big screen right. and uh, right.
1: you know, I don't, I don't know, but.
0: I I think I should check back in and see what you figured out. <laughs>
1: that, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, I think this is the year that all teachers are going to go into that bag of tricks, whatever it is. And I think we're going to have to partner with students and say, you know, what can we do? Cause I, I've, you know, I've been getting, we, we go back to school. I don't know when your podcast goes out, but we, we go back to school on Tuesday, the 1st of September for three days of figuring it out, you know, and, um, Teachers have, I think teachers are a little bit behind the curve on what technology is available, and I think students are ahead of us. So if if we can tap into what students know, um, you know, we'll have a better chance of, of getting through this in a way that makes sense.
0: Yeah. We come out on the third, and that's when okay. this will be, you know, people can access it. And maybe okay. they'll hear okay. this idea and take hold of it. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Anything you'd like to leave our listeners with, either about theater or yourself or your movie or COVID, whatever you think is a good ending?
1: <laughs> that's a lot of things. Um, I, I honestly, my, my movie experience has just. Um, solidified uh, my my faith in people because I had people from all parts of my life who supported this project. Um, you know, friends from junior high and high school who were online to to chip in financially or to offer words of support and encouragement and here i was working with students that graduated 10 years ago and students that haven't graduated yet i had a, a number of current students who were working as production assistants and everybody i asked said yes and it just it it i'm getting emotional sorry
0: well you it deserve to be it was just so encouraging
1: it was just so encouraging that so many people are willing to help you know and i, I feel like that's That's the lesson we should take from everything that we've gotten through since Thursday, March 12th, is that people are there for each other. And and they always will be.